This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, November 26, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. In the 1980s, a man tapped into working-class anger in his home state and rode it all the way to Congress. That man was Democrat James Traficant. A new film details the fascinating life of someone who, according to the film's producer Eric Murphy, had his act stolen by the current president-elect. The film is Traficant, the congressman of Crimetown. We spoke last month. For people who follow uh, Washington, D.C. politics, especially people who are politicians who've faced criminal indictment, Jim Traficant is sort of a folk hero. Oh, yeah. Definitely a folk hero. And uh, so I guess what brought you to this story or this as a subject? Yeah, well, I'm from Warren, Ohio, which is adjacent to Youngstown. And uh, growing up, uh, around my grandparents' dinner table, it was Jesus Christ, JFK, Jim Trafficant. Those were the topics of conversations. And my grandfather worked 41 years at Republic Steel. Uh, Black Monday, when all the mills closed down in Youngstown, he lost his job, he lost his pension. And Jim Trafficant was first a mob-busting sheriff and, and then the congressman, and he was a, a hero to everyone. He galvanized the community, and uh, from my earliest time, he was a presence. Um, and then I got a paper out, and every morning I would bust open the bundle of papers and look above the fold on A1 to see what Jim Trafficant was saying. And... That continued uh, through college. I went to Youngstown State, and that's when the mafia in Youngstown started to collapse and the indictments came down and they were all leading back to Jim Trafficant. And then I, after college, I volunteered on Congressman Tim Ryan, who took Jim's spot. Uh, I volunteered on his first state Senate campaign. And that's when I really started to get interested in the inner workings of politics in the Mahoning Valley and seeing Trafficant beyond the folk hero to start to understand what made this guy, you know, how he came to be. And he was going down and going down in flames. Uh, And probably not coincidentally, that's the time that I got bit by the filmmaking bug and Pretty much from that point on, it's been a long process of bringing Jim Trafficant's story, at least my version of it, uh, to the screen. One of the, the, the most – the thing that makes him a folkier or at least cements his uh, reputation is the fact that he was brought up on RICO charges, uh, defended himself, and won – which is almost unheard of. Uh, I believe he's still the only person to defeat a RICO case pro se without being an attorney. He fired his attorney. His attorney was Carmen Policy, who ended up running the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. And that's a whole other story. But fired his attorney, defended himself and beat the charges and cast himself as The government's picking on me. They're coming after me. I'm the little guy. Uh, And we portrayed in the documentary where the the prosecutors and their team of FBI agents and everyone in their pinstripe suits and power ties 
are coming to court, and here's Jim Traficant uh, in a corduroy suit with the pocket torn out, using very earthy, vulgar language, and he persuaded the jury that he was uh, being set up by the, by the government. You know, he there's a handwritten confession that he signed that the FBI witnessed him signing. That's their testimony. And his testimony is, uh, they're damn liars. I, d- I did not sign that, and they're using that to convict an innocent, an innocent man. Uh, he beats the charges. He comes home to a hero's welcome, like a ticker tape parade, and promptly turns around and runs for Congress. And he was the only newly elected Democrat in the House uh, during Reagan's landslide of 84. So l- let's talk about the details of that case, if you don't mind. Yes. Um, what, I mean, what were they specifically alleging? Well, they were alleging that he, as sheriff, uh, and I guess to back up to set the context for people that don't understand Youngstown in that time frame, Youngstown is right in the middle of Pittsburgh and Cleveland. We're about 65 miles from each. And they were both fighting over mob control of Youngstown, which was quite lucrative from the 30s up until the 80s when the mills collapsed. There were a lot of blue-collar guys that had a lot of disposable income and uh, you know, drinking, gambling, prostitution, that kind of stuff. And Trafficant wasn't the first sheriff that took bribe money. Several sheriffs before and actually one after him went to prison. And he was the the gangsters didn't trust him to keep up his end of the deal so they secretly recorded him taking the bribe money on audio tape. And when one of those guys got killed, the FBI found these tapes in a bread box and started playing him and said, Oh my God, that's the sheriff. He's taking a bribe. And so they brought him in. They played the tapes. He said, you got me writes out a handwritten confession, allegedly. And, uh, they take him to court. So they charged him with taking $163,000 in bribe money, uh, promising actually both sides of the mob control of Youngstown. And we detail all of that in the film, and we really dug deep to get the the historical archives and the court drawings and some of the reporters that covered this trial back in 1983 in Cleveland. We actually tracked down uh, one of the jurors who uh, sat on the case, and hearing him tell the stories is just incredible. Uh, and I think people would say that this was a case of jury nullification, you know, m- much like O.J. Simpson did 30 years later. So was there – I, I can't help but feel that there may have been an attitude that this guy's a crook, but he's our crook. Oh, absolutely. You nailed it. That's it. And we're the downtrodden and the government left us behind and the government promised to uh, elevate our steel and stop the the dumping from Japan and Germany and whatnot. Every president, uh, Carter, Reagan, and all all the way now, you know, Trump and Hillary are are in the Mahoning Valley weekly, it seems like. Uh, So the people and the jury, six of them, which was genius on Trafkin's part. Six of them were from the Mahoning Valley, 
So when he was talking about the big bad governments taking it out on me, people in the jury were like, yeah, I feel wronged. I'm angry. I'm the disenfranchised. That's my guy. I don't, he's our crook. He didn't do anything that anybody else hasn't done. And that's a, you know, that's a, a really interesting uh, thing that happens sometimes in trials where, you know, that's part of the point you suspect of having a jury of your peers is that, you know, they might know that you're technically guilty. That's correct. And they understand the circumstance. Um, Ed O'Neill is a, one of the leading interviewers, uh, interviewees in the film, and he's a producer on the film. And he has a soundbite in there that says, uh, the, the rules of Youngstown d don't apply to anywhere else. You know, you, you can't get away uh, with Youngstown rules in Kennebunkport, Maine, or in D.C. That was Trafkin's downfall, was going to a, you know, a place where rules may apply. Um, where he was conducting his uh, business the way it's done in Youngstown, at least in that time period. And it's like uh, the prison yard. You know, the, the rules are different in the prison yard. And, and Youngstown definitely had its, it was the Wild West back in that time period. What do you think, I mean, compare Jim Trafficant to our current crop of political candidates running for president? Yeah, that's a great question and something we uh, we knew the issues that Trafficant stood for and stood against were uh, universal and going to be timely all the time. But the emergence of Trump, you know, last summer, we started to say, OK, well, now we're going to be able to release the movie and have it be timely and echo into t today's environment where. Uh, the similarities between Trump and Trafkin, the bombast, the vulgarity, the humor, the entertainment value, kind of say anything you need to say, uh, the terrible hair. But the clear distinction is Jim Trafkin literally is the son of a truck driver. He has blue collar DNA. Uh, Trump obviously doesn't. Um, and Trafkin was a leading voice against NAFTA. Um, he was an isolationist. He didn't want involved in foreign wars or anything like that. He was staunchly uh, against illegal immigration and took a lot of heat early on. He was one of the first voices against that. Uh, but he also fought Bill Clinton tooth and nail. He was a Democrat, but he fought Clinton uh, on a number of issues. And today, uh, Trump and Hillary are coveting and trying to convert the trafficant voter back in the Mahoning Valley, Northeast Ohio. And as we know, you have to win Ohio if you're a Republican to win the presidency. And they're coming through there and they're trying to tap into the blue collar, uh, non-college educated, you've lost your pension, your machine has been unbolted and shipped off to China, a lot of anger, that same anger that Trafkin tapped into 30, 40 years ago is extremely uh, present today. And I don't think just in Ohio. Obviously, it's across the country. All right. What I, He's just such a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, and, and from a filmmaking standpoint, 
that complexity is what made him so fascinating to study. Uh, I've worked on this film for seven years. I've never gotten bored with the guy. And when I thought I had an opinion of him, then I would uncover other archives or interview someone and hear a story. And it's just mesmerizing of how complex and ultimately unraveled. I mean, I think the pressure got to him at the end and he certainly cracked up, you know, uh, to some degree. You have a candidate for office who is dealing with and his base are disaffected, uh, I assume mostly white, blue-collar people who sense that there is some foreign menace that is uh, altering their lives in ways that they can't immediately perceive. It it seems like he was uh, the Donald Trump of Ohio in a lot of ways. I would say Donald Trump stole Jim Traffickant's act. You know, Traffickant was really in the fabric of this stuff and reflected what he was part of. I think uh, Trump is brilliant in the way to kind of take a message and form it for an audience, much like a TV star, you know, where Traffickant rose up out of that organically and said, I am pissed off. And when he said that, people really believed it because he was, you know, and what made him larger than life in the Mahoning Valley, and you can imagine someone doing this today, when he was sheriff, steelworkers were getting evicted from their homes. And he refused to evict the steelworkers and was sentenced to spend time in his own county jail. And he was doing phone calls from jail and saying, I'll never sign these papers. These are good, hardworking people. It basically was a publicity stunt but he knew how to orchestrate that and, and connect with people on this visceral, emotional level that we're seeing today. You know, it, it's quite uncanny. Eric Murphy is producer of the film Trafficant, the congressman of Crime Town. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.